know, when you're creating, you remember you're in the image of our creator. So when we start identifying as creative in his image, then it's not that much further to identify in Christ as a, a son or daughter of the Most High. And so creativity just is uh, it's almost like a shortcut from healing to finding your identity in Christ. And we don't think that there is a shortcut. I mean, there, there's healing that has to happen. But when somebody that's been through trauma is able to laugh, able to create, able to start to trust again, suddenly, as Bobby was saying, the heart of stone that they had to build in order to survive, in order to just make it through, now that heart starts to soften into a heart of clay that God can now mold into something that he can use and he can redeem. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. With me on the show today is improv missionaries, Dave and Bobby Ebert. Folks, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you, Bobby? I'm great. Thanks for having us. Bobby, welcome to the show for the first time. Dave, welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be here. Really excited to uh, share the next chapter uh, of our story. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited for the audience to hear it. So for anyone who didn't hear your, your first episode, go ahead and just tell a little bit of, about yourself and just share some of the things you're working on since you've been on the show last. Sure. So uh, my story is the uh, very familiar path of many uh, comedians. I battled depression for many years and uh, entered into depression in high school and I uh, didn't get delivered uh, from it until uh, I was 31 years old. And the entire time that I was battling depression, I was trying to make people laugh. I knew instinctively that, you know, there's healing power in laughter and also knew that if I could make somebody laugh and I improve their day, then I had value, which means that I could justify not taking that final step and committing suicide. And that was a battle that was sometimes uh, weekly, sometimes daily of just trying to find that value. And Fast forward in 2013, I'm at this mountaintop moment, you know, spiritually where I'm really contemplating, do I finally just end it and, and end the pain or do I, you know, do I actually turn my life over to, to the Lord? And it was literally, I could go left and end it or, or, you know, the way I say it is I could have either gone left and taken my life, but I chose to go right and give my life. Wow. And God showed me that I was doing what he wanted. And that was, you know, laugh, getting people to laugh, entertaining them, giving them moments of respite from the challenges and the burdens of life. He just needed to change the why. And the why went from hiding who I am to, you know, somebody that was depressed and battling thoughts of suicide to now revealing him to the giver of life. And so I turned it over to him. He moved me from West Virginia to uh, the Chicago area. And I've been doing improv ministry since uh, 2013, you know, just bringing people together for laughs, to minister to them, to tell them that, you know, there's hope beyond what you see. And one of the things I like to you know explain to people is when you laugh and you have a good guttural, like deep laugh, your head naturally, naturally rocks back and lifts your eyes. And it's almost like a moment of worship where you're taking your eyes off of what you see and lifting them up to where you know, to the heavens. And in that moment, you realize that things are bigger than what's right here in front of you. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, you can realize that 
no matter what challenge you're facing, there's something beyond that. And there's something that is more important than what you see right in front of you. And so we've been doing comedy ministry uh, for almost 11 years. And then in uh, 2018, that uh, became a ministry to survivors of sex trafficking on a part-time basis. We did a comedy show for Salt Lake Coalition in Chicago, and they, their owner or their founder invited me to teach improv because at night I felt the Lord tell me, I need to share my testimony from the stage. And so I did, and uh, Dr. Olson invited me to teach improv to her ladies, and I've been doing that uh, once a month uh, since 2018, even through the pandemic, which do- did include doing improv workshops over Zoom. Oh, talk about suffering for Jesus. <laughs> but we made it through, and that parlayed directly into the next chapter, which is now Bobby and I are both appointed missionary candidates through the Assemblies of God to use improv as a way to minister to more survivors of trafficking. So how does one, like, how do you go from doing improv to now, this is really where we feel God is focused, and focus, the area that God has really focused our ministry in. Like, so how did you go from saying we're going to be doing this improv and doing these trainings and using this as a, as ministry and healing to we're going to turn that into something that I'm not even sure how many people are aware of how big this really is in the United States. It happened on Halloween, 2022. God decided to scare the hell out of the devil and and led us in the mission field. I was in Chicago teaching a, a workshop with a focus on public speaking with ladies that were about ready to graduate and move on from the program at Salt and Light. And in that workshop, God moved in such a way that these ladies that had never shared their story publicly outside of, you know, just interviews to get into the program, they Mm -hmm. shared their story in front of uh, a group of people that were there and they shed light on it. And it broke, you saw bondages being broken in that moment because now they shed light on their story and it no longer held power over them. And it it was such a God moment that it was a, a it became clear that God was sending us into full-time ministry. And the reason why that's significant is that same day, I was getting emails on my work phone and messages that indicated my job was being eliminated. Mm. So I knew, even though I had taken the day off, I knew that my job, my full-time job was over. Uh, so it was, we don't believe in coincidence. We believe that God has a plan and so he, he's basically like God saying, hey, you know what, Dave, I'm going to clear your schedule a little bit. This is what I want you to do now. And, uh, you know, and it wasn't obvious, you know, at first we kind of thought, well, maybe it's just a really good day. Is God kind of softening the blow of being laid off? But through prayer, through talking with our pastor, it being, became clear that this was the new journey, is that it's time for full-time ministry. It's time to use the gifts and, and, and talents that God has given us. And also to continue for God to redeem all those lost years that I had to, with depression and using comedy as a way to kind of bury the depression. And now he's redeeming that time through this ministry. So either one, you feel free to to answer this. Why is this mission itself so near and dear to, to your heart? Well, for me, it definitely was not on my radar. So a little bit of uh, my testimony to lead into this question is I am a survivor of trauma and trauma from my family. My life was almost taken from me in high school. The police said I was within 10 seconds of my life being taken away. Just this past summer, 
you know, that's, you know, over 20 years ago, just this summer, I find out when my siblings, two of my siblings and I were very young, we had babysitters babysit us who were arrested for child pornography. To back up again, the year that I escaped my home after the worst incident that could have happened, I began, I've already been on this journey with the Lord. I always like loved the Lord, loved learning about the Lord. But my friends would challenge me about salvation. And they would say things like, well, the blood of Christ cleanses us from our sins. It's like, well, how does the blood of Christ cleanse us? Blood is dirty. How does? But through a set of circumstances, my senior year, it was the spring right before graduation. A whole bunch of things were happening. Um, I'm in crisis center counseling. I'm you know, started attending youth group with some friends because I had escaped my home. So now I was living with my best friend and her family and attending youth group with some other friends. And just a whole set of circumstances took place where that led me to actually surrender my life to Christ. And it's like that veil is just taken off. And I was automatically able to understand in an instant what that meant about about. Christ's blood cleansing us and washing us clean. That was all the Holy Spirit given that revelation and that understanding and leading me into that truth. So within my salvation, and I'm growing in Christ over the years, I've always heard testimonies of how people will use what they've gone through for their ministry. And so I would put pressure on myself because I didn't know how God would want to use my story. And I wasn't necessarily doing anything to use my story for the kingdom. I just, I was working multiple jobs straight out of high school, college, just kind of in survival mode for the longest time, Um, just trying to fill what people were saying you have to do to establish your life. And so um, that's what I was doing. And, but I would still, condemn myself because I was like, I'm, yeah, okay, I am attending church. I'm working within the ministries of the church with children's church, nursery, the van ministry, the worship choir, like interpreting an ASL, you know, on the worship team. Like I'm doing things within the church, but how am I, what is my ministry, Lord? Like, how do I use my story specifically? And that challenged me for the longest time. And so when Dave said yes to the Lord, it was actually, I forget the exact date, but it was within that same season prior to Dave being laid off and Dave saying yes to God that day, I had a dream that the Lord gave me And it was the two of us driving in a car across a body of water. Because, of course, you know, you can do that, right? With a big Um, enough head start. Yes. But we were driving across this body of water. And we were coming up to a coastline. And I was like, oh, that's what Scotland looks like. And there was a a cityscape on this coastline. 
And now I've never been to Scotland. I've never really seen too many pictures of Scotland. So I'm Googling Scotland like, okay, is there a city that happens to be on a coastline? And there's nothing that I could see that comes up. But we are now on land and we're walking through this city and just random strangers were coming up to us and they were so happy we were there. And they would say like, oh my gosh, we're so happy you're here. And they were just emptying out their pockets to us and we would be in the store and the cashier would just empty out the cash register drawer because he was so happy that we were there. And then the dream ended. So I was like, okay, Lord. You are definitely calling us into missions. That could be the only interpretation for this dream. And I've had a heart for missions, and I've gone on short-term missions overseas into the remote villages of Guatemala. He's been to Nicaragua, uh, done things with Convoy of Hope and Samaritan's Purse. And I've done things with Convoy of Hope as well. I love missions, and I knew God was calling me to missions, but to do what, when, where, the how, like all those were yet to be answered. So when Dave said yes, I was like, okay, well, th- now we're going into it and this is what we're going to do. And so I said yes too to support my husband. But then the Lord showed me, this is your ministry. This is where you're going to use your story because. You have a hope and you have a future and it's in Christ. So my message to the survivors that we work with is you have a hope and you have a future and your hope is in Christ and your future is in Christ. I'm a survivor. You are a survivor. And it's through these improv workshops that we're able to see these hearts of stones turn into hearts of clay. And we're able to share the love of Christ through those broken down barriers and walls. And the improv just opens that door so nicely for the message of Christ. And I honestly think that the, the whole Scotland thing is just, she just wants to see me in a kilt. <laughs> Dave, I, I love you like a brother. Not to tell you that no one wants to see that. I couldn't help it. <laughs> Freedom! <laughs> and then the Lord will say, and your mission term is over. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get He's it. Say, well I, done, faithful, you, <laughs> faithful servants. You are now released. <laughs> he killed that ministry. <laughs> I mean this in the most loving way possible. I know which one of you won't be back for part three of this. Um, <laughs> I know. I know who I'll be talking to the next go around. Uh, so and I, what was the name of the organization that you specifically work with? The first one that we've worked with is Salt and Light Coalition. They're based in Chicago. And then uh, we've added on two more. There's Rescue Her in the Dallas area. And then we'll also be working with Naomi's house here in Chicago. So for anyone who is not familiar, so you go to one of these organizations. How exactly, like if someone said, what are you specifically doing to help? And if someone said, well, are you just putting band-aids over some of the required stitches? Like, how are you helping these women? What are some of the things that you're doing on a nightly or day in or day out basis? Sure. We go in and the first thing we do is create a safe environment where we're working with these ladies who've been through literal hell on earth. And we say, you know, there's no judgment here. If you accidentally curse, don't think that, oh my goodness, he's a pastor. I'm going to hell now because I cursed in front of a pastor. I mean, I, I don't encourage cursing, but I also don't want them to feel like if, if they make the mistake that it's going to be, you know, condemnation. 
Right. So we create a safe space where they're free to create, they're free to participate, and uh, there are no wrong answers. Um, so just to make them feel comfortable. And then, and the thing that is that kind of goes with that saying, but is very important is I am a man and this is an opportunity for many of these women to have a positive interaction and relationship with a man that doesn't involve any transaction. And they can, it starts to break some of the paradigms and some of the stereotypes that they feel that, Oh, there are safe people, safe men that I can trust. And so that's one of the big things, but what happens is we teach improv workshops, basically the same thing that if you ever went to Second City IO or any improv theater and started taking improv 101, that's what we walk the ladies through during the semester. And it's all about breaking the ice, finding their confidence, developing their communication, and also tapping into their creativity. Because you know, when you're creating, you remember you're in the image of our creator. So when we start identifying as creative in his image, then it's not that much further to identify in Christ as a, a son or daughter of the Most High. And so creativity just is uh, it's almost like a shortcut from healing to finding your identity in Christ. And we don't think that there is a shortcut. I mean, there, there's healing that has to happen. But when somebody that's been through trauma is able to laugh, able to create, able to start to trust again. Suddenly, as Bobby was saying, the heart of stone that they had to build in order to survive, in order to just make it through, now that heart starts to soften into a heart of clay that God can now mold into something that he can use and he can redeem. Yeah, and it's really great, too, because what we're finding is through various forms of the arts, especially with the improv, and we even find this with, like, therapy with using animals and stuff. The therapists and counselors are able to make greater gains as a result of what we're doing, you know. So it benefits the organization to make headway with seeing the healing happen in each of the ladies or children, whoever we're working with. We see the fruit of our ministry when we're able to share the gospel of Christ with them and show help them to realize their value and their worth. There's just so many things. And yeah, it's just a lot of things that it's so beneficial. And some of the things like we're still kind of realizing is like, oh, like, wow, I didn't realize that was going to help in that area too, you know? So it's really cool to see. One of our, and Bobby's only been able to join me the last year or so since mm-hmm. uh, we entered into mission and she's not been working full time the way she was. Yeah. We had, and we'll never use real names just for security and protection. Right. Uh, but there is one lady and we'll, we'll call her uh, Amanda. Uh, Amanda came in and she had some scars. She had uh, scars from being burned. One of her hands was missing. She, was missing, I think, fingers on her other hand. And she would try to hide in plain sight. She would turn away to try to hide her scars, to hide her missing hand. And and this was in the beginning. And she was very quiet, did not want to really project or participate in the exercises. But over the course of the uh, 
uh, five or six months that we met once a month for just about 45 minutes, suddenly the shoulder started to turn in and you started to see more of her face and started to hear more of her voice. And suddenly she wasn't trying to hide. And it's just, and it's not that we're trying to take credit like, Oh, we're great because we're teaching people how to be Mm -hmm. funny. It's just creating that comfortable environment where it's okay to fail because as a, you know, somebody living the life of uh, somebody being trafficked, there's no room for error. You do this as you're told when you're told, Otherwise, there's consequences. And now with Amanda, I don't know if the scars are a result of her trafficking or if that's something unrelated, uh, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that somebody did that to her Mm -hmm. uh, because she didn't do the right thing at the right time. So with improv, because it's so free and there's no judgment, it's all off the top of your head. So nobody's working with a net. You know, you know, if you fall and there's funny and there's enjoyment in the fail, you don't have to fear it anymore. And that's suddenly something that breaks a lot of paradigms is like, oh, okay, I don't have to follow every single rule perfectly. If I mess up, it's okay. We can laugh at it and we're fine. And w- with Amanda, we saw that transformation in, in those few months and it. You know, helped her get through that first semester of the program because we work uh, with something like we work with them for their first semester and then the public speaking right before they graduate. So we were able to kind of set them on a good course to start. They f- they feel like they're free to be who they want to be. Mm-hmm. And it, it's such a blessing. This past uh, fall, we also had Ruby. Mm-hmm. And Ruby still was wearing a COVID mask. I think she even started double masked. And after the first few times, suddenly the mask came off and then the spiritual mask came off. And now we could actually hear her speak and project. And, you know, she's very soft-spoken. She reminds me of, uh, you You remember Police Academy, right? Hooks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She Ruby reminds me of Hooks. Very soft-spoken. But if you made her mad, moved her back. <laughs> yeah, she was very near near to my heart. I really enjoyed being with her a lot. And it's just really cool. The improv helps take the pressure off whatever they're dealing with. It just takes us takes their pressures off for the moment too. But also the benefit, um, they get to see a healthy male, but they also get to see a healthy marriage and what a healthy relationship looks like. Most of the volunteers, they're just women who come. Um, so they're constantly surrounded by other women, which is great. But now they can see what a healthy relationship looks like in that. And to know, like, you know, that's possible for me as well. Now, are these women staying or these women and children, are they staying at these facilities? Is that where they're currently being housed or what is their housing situation looking like now? Well, with uh, Salt and Light, now they all have some sort of housing outside of the program. Mm-hmm. But Salt and Light helps them find it, helps them with references, uh, helps them. Uh, with advocacy, because uh, the sad truth about somebody that's trafficking is it's not always somebody that's locked away in a dungeon, you know, that happens. But a majority are people, you know, men, women, and children that are still living life. They're still mm-hmm. going to school. They're still going to the store, mm. but they're under such a mind control thing that everybody's watching. That's why they don't leave. So these women that we're working with and the others that we'll work with, they've, they have a record because they're either caught with drugs or they're caught prostituting. And so they have a record. 
Many of them have kids that are in the system because they have a record. And so they have so many strikes against them. So if programs like Salt and Light, Naomi's House, Rescue Her, and the other groups that we're going to work with, you know, they advocate so these women can have a shot because when they have a record and they have kids in the system, nobody wants to lease them an apartment. Nobody wants to trust them with a job because they see the black and white paperwork. They don't understand the why, you know, what was happening that forced them into doing drugs. Were they on drugs beforehand and then, you know, prostituting and trafficking became their way to get the drugs? Or they forced on drugs as a way to cope or to be under control. And unfortunately, the court systems are very slow to realize the the prison that they're really in. And slowly but surely, there are states that are taking legislation to expunge records of those that have escaped trafficking so that they can have a better shot at life. But I think Illinois is slowly you know, bringing up the rear on that one. So for anybody who would like to volunteer with what you're doing or partner with these other organizations, how can they go about doing that and joining you in your ministry and your mission? Reach out and, you know, let's figure out because there are organizations around the U.S. So for, you know, the millions that tune in to Rooted in Christ podcast, you know, from my lips to God's ears, there's somewhere near you that you can volunteer. Mm -hmm. There are dream centers, which a lot of them deal with trafficking survivors are you know people who are still in the lifestyle i i won't use the v word i'll refer i always refer to them as survivors because victims means that they have no power but when they're survivors they have power built in and i believe that they have the power to achieve and overcome so there's dream centers that work with uh survivors there's uh there's organizations throughout the u.s who falls south dakota has one there's uh several in texas because Texas is on the border. And one of the sad facts, and and this is not political, one of the sad facts is the reason or the sad part about our open border down south is there are so many people who are promised a bill of goods like, hey, you have a greater uh, life here in America. And they end up being trafficked either for sex or for labor. And labor is basically, you know, just it's slavery. Uh, Actually, both are slavery. It's just there's told that you get a better life in America and then it's nothing but manipulation and control. And then the fear factor of, well, you can't report me to the authorities because they'll deport you. So you just got to do what I say. And so it's, there's plenty of opportunity to serve. Uh, If you have questions, if you're here in Illinois, uh, we'd love to connect with you. If you're anywhere else in the country, reach out to us and we'll connect you with somebody local. And the the one thing I would say is we don't need heroes. A, a lot of times people get involved in mission work, especially short-term missions. And it's more about feeling good than it is about making a difference. These women don't need heroes. They need somebody to listen to them. They need somebody to show them that they have value in Christ, that uh, they have a value more than what their body can do. And so they need people to walk alongside not to reach down and bring them up from underneath. So I, I don't want to sound mean or rude, but I, I think it's important to realize that this is not a selfie moment to say, hey, look what I'm doing for the Lord on Facebook. Because if you take a selfie with a survivor of trafficking, you could be putting them and their kids in danger. Right. Because in many ways they're slaves. And the slave owners don't want them 
showcasing their freedom because now the other slaves get the idea. And it's much like in in America's darkest days, they would make examples of the slaves that tried to leave for the North because they didn't want the other one, other slaves to get the idea that they could leave. And yeah, I just, so yeah. Um, with the right heart, the right desire, and and motivation from Christ to make a di- difference, uh, we'd love to connect you with the organizations because the harvest field is very ripe and the workers are few. So let's thank you for sharing all that. So before we get to the let them know segment, I want to give you a chance. How can they specifically, they anyone in the audience, anyone listening, they specifically support you? That's you know because I know you're going into full time mission work. Part two of that question is what kind of faith did it really take? to go into full-time mission works. I remember they like right after you did the podcast, I think we were looking to schedule you for part two of the interview. And I think that was around the time that you're, you know, the job, the situation is going on with your job. So it's crazy. That was, it feels like it was not that long ago. And it's because it wasn't. So what kind of faith did it take to really say, okay, Lord, you have my yes to go on a full-time missionary work. And then how can people listening support you too in your ministry? Well, I'll answer the first part. It's not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of transition that happens and a lot of reliance on God to sustain you, to provide for you, to work in the details. It could be a stress on your marriage. <laughs> you know, there's if there's so many moving pieces transitioning in and out of ministry roles, transitioning out of jobs. Like it's just so many moving pieces in so many areas. You really have to walk by faith in. And if you're not up for that, missions may not be for you. You know, going to the missions, you really have to check your motives. It's like I said, it is not for the faint of heart. It is hard work. There's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things you simply have to trust God for, even when it gets very difficult to trust God for it. And one of the things uh, about us is we were uh, the children's pastors at our church. It was a small church mm-hmm. and we were volunteers. So it wasn't, it's not a situation where, oh, we're leaving. They can just hire somebody. Yeah. Uh, they needed somebody from within. And it's taken about four months for somebody to find to answer the call. I, I don't want to say finally, but it sounds rude, but somebody answered the call. And so we are just now four months in able to transition out of uh, kid ministry. So it's been a faith walk. It's been a faith journey. But when we realized that God was calling us, that the timing of getting laid off, the, the way he moved in that workshop, it, it was, he made it obvious so when you have an obvious call from God, it's a little bit easier than one of those things where you're like, huh, I don't know. I mean, there are still right, moments, right. and I'm not going to lie, there are moments where it's like, God, are you sure? Did we actually hear you? But then, like today, you know, we get, had two positive phone calls with one a church and one guy that I won't mention names, but he works for a major petroleum company, and he's also a part of the Rotary here in the area. And he's very excited to get us in front of people. So it stays like that. God is again, just, you know, leaving the breadcrumbs. Like keep following me, keep trusting me. Yeah. It's easy to get caught up when things don't seem to be working out. When you get the nose for support, when you get people who don't believe in the work that you're doing or the mission that you're called to, whether it's unique or an ordinary one, those things are easy to get caught up in. 
But we're, you know, those things are distractions from the enemy because it keeps us from pressing forward and persevering in our call from God. And here's the thing. When God calls, nobody else can hang up the phone. So don't let anybody else interfere. So that's just a word of, uh, mm-hmm. of wisdom to anybody. When God calls, nobody else is in the room. They don't know what God told you. So trust in God, not in man. To keep yeah. persevering. And to answer the, the first part, prayer is, is the biggest thing. Pray that we'll have open doors so that we can share you know, the light of Christ with more and more survivors. Pray for open doors at churches that we can go in and speak and not only raise awareness and support for ourselves, but also raise awareness so that more people will join the fight. Whether they volunteer at an organization like Salt and Light or they volunteer with politicians running for office who's going to take trafficking head on. And then, you know, the third thing in that line is financial support. We, you, Depending on what the Lord puts on your heart, you can do a one-time gift or a monthly faith promise. The monthly faith promises are what we base our budget on. So we know how much we have for travel expenses and things of that nature. So if you're able to do a monthly faith promise of any amount, or if you just have a one-time gift that you want to support, you can go to partner.giftsforglory.com. That's partner.giftsforglory.com. And that website will take you directly to the giving page through the Assemblies of God, which acts as our clearinghouse. They process all the payments and the, the gifts. And then they also provide you with your tax-deductible receipt so that you can write that off at the end of the year. And also provides the oversight to make sure that any donation is handled well and with the utmost integrity. Yeah, and... Raising our budget is so important because we cannot move into full-time missions until our budget is raised. So that monthly support, that face promise is so vital for us and just for the ministry in general. Well, we are going to share um, all of your links. Dave, I know you've been here before. We're going to share all of your links and all the ways where anybody can get in contact with you. So, and I'm any podcast or other shows, I think, you know, that you might, might be a good fit for, I'm going to throw them your way too. So. You can put your name in the ears of a few people I may know. So, thank you, thank you. That's awesome. We appreciate being on. You're you're an awesome guy, and just really uh, excited for all the things God's doing uh, in and through you. And and he's, he's got your lighting fixed, so you're gonna look pretty on this episode. <laughs> we'll see about the lighting part. I'd, I I received everything else you said. We'll see how this new lighting works out. I, I've noticed it was flickering midway through this. So watch, everyone's gonna go back and watch the video and notice it too. So. <laughs> That brings us to the let them know segment of this show. So right now, this is the part of the show where you can share anything you like with the audience. So please let them know. Biggest thing is God is good and he is, you can trust him. His timing is not always your timing. And that's okay because our timing sometimes really stinks. God is good. God is faithful. And any opportunity or any time that things don't seem to be going your way, it's just God growing you and stretching you. So that's why the, the the Bible tells us, take joy in those times of trial and those times where it seems like it's a dry season, because God is just getting you ready for what he has planned. And what he has planned is so much better than uh, what you can ever hope, think, or imagine. Yeah. I just want to share what I love to share with the survivors. For the listeners who feel like they're stuck in ruts, things aren't moving along, like or they feel like... You know, there's nothing more for me. 
this is the end of the road. Those are lies from the pit of hell. There, You do have a future. And you do have a hope. And your hope is in Christ. And your future is in Christ. And it's hard. Because we have to daily surrender ourselves to the Lord and trust in the work that he is doing. The not yet are hard to hear. But when God brings that time to pass and it's time to step into those open doors, it is beautiful. And it is so like, I don't even know if I can find the right word, but exhilarating. Kinda, but it's just really awesome when you do walk through those doors when God opens them and just, just then you like kind of start realizing and you understand the long waits that seem forever. The training, the persevering you've had to go through, what that actually produced, you know, that's not sometimes realized until you are able to step through the door when it's opened. Walking with God is a lot like Cody Rhodes' journey to the belt. If he'd won it last year, it would have been great, but he needed a season. He needed to go through Brock Lesnar. He needed to to go through these other trials and tribulations so that when he finally wins, it'll be that much sweeter. And that's our walk with Christ. Sometimes, you know, getting it the first time around is not the answer because it's so much sweeter when he gives it to you in, in the not yet instead of the right now. I would love to know in the comment section, how many of you know what he's talking about outside of Jesus? How, how many people in the comment section, if you can comment, understood the reference he made? <laughs> and Brock Lesnar, if you're listening, I don't have a match for WrestleMania this year, so I'm open. <laughs> I think he's going to be open for a little while. Yeah, probably. If one of you or both of you would not mind close us out in prayer, I would really appreciate it. Yeah, Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to uh, connect with our brother, and we pray, God, that our conversation would stir in the hearts and minds of the, the viewers and the listeners, and I pray that somebody would feel your call to enter into this battle against modern-day slavery, that they would advocate, that they would find a way to serve the survivors, that they would make an impact in encouraging our legislators to take it take this seriously. Father, we pray also that if there's anybody that's listening that may be going through the same journey of, of depression or thoughts of suicide, that that our story and the fact that God is redeeming what we've been through, that it would, it would sp- spark something in their heart to realize that there is hope beyond the depression. There is hope beyond the thoughts of suicide. And taking your life is not the answer, but giving your life completely and without reservation, that's the answer. That's the best answer. And I pray that if there is anybody that's struggling right now with that, that you would speak to them through this conversation, through this podcast. And if they need to, have them reach out to me and I can walk this this valley with them, Lord. And for anybody that's been through some of the situations that my wife has been through, if there's a way that she could be a help, we encourage them to reach out as well, Lord. And we just pray that everybody that's in the sound of our voice and is watching videos or TikToks or reels from this conversation, that they would be blessed and they would be encouraged and they would have a, a, a an increase in their hope and their faith in you, Lord. Uh, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the ministry that you've given the three of us. And Lord, we just, we're so excited to see the fruit and the harvest of what you're going to do through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Father, I just thank you for this amazing couple, Lord. I thank you for just their hearts. I thank you for their yes. I thank you for their obedience to you. 
So right now I just speak forth um, that you're just going to give an, an outpouring of heaven, Lord, over their lives, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, Lord. I thank you that they are just going to be blessed beyond measure, blessed beyond their wildest dreams, blessed beyond belief, Lord. I pray that you just continue to open up doors to them and expand their territory, Father. But I pray you continue to give them just eyes to see and ears to hear the direction that you want them to go and the things that you are going to use them to do, Lord. So right now, I thank you for divine appointments. Thank you for favor everywhere that they go, Lord. And I thank you they're just going to bring reconciliation, Father. I thank you they're ministers of reconciliation. I thank you they're ministers of healing, Lord. But I thank you that they are just going to speak for words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of prophecy over anyone that they come in contact with, Lord. So I just pray you continue to just use them to be light and salt of the earth. And I pray they do not grow weary in doing good, Father. And to anyone listening to this podcast, Lord, I just pray blessings for all those folks. And I just, I thank you for this, the dreams that you're stirring up in them, Father, whether it be the books that are going to be written or whether it just be just walking in the, in, in the path or call that you have for them, Father, starting new businesses, Lord, or whether it be they start their own podcast, Father, whether it be they plant churches, Lord, I just thank you for just stirring the people who are listening to this now. We just pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you both for being on the show. If you have been enjoying our content, please like, follow, share, and subscribe. It really helps us get the message out. It helps with the algorithm, and it helps tell important stories like this. You two have a seat on this show anytime you want it. Just call me, text me, DM me. So much. Thank you so much. And as the prophet Cody Rhodes said, finish your story. There you go. There you go. I'm going to, I'm going to finish the story, but I, I didn't know Cody Rhodes is a prophet. I might need to get him <laughs> on here too. Might need you to make that connection for me. He <laughs> might be a prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T. He's making money. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. I went to Kent State. We talked about this. <laughs> Thank you, folks.